0: My Michelle Live with Michelle Mendoza. Here's Michelle. Thank you. I am Michelle
1: Mendoza. Thank you for tuning in to My Michelle Live. Today on the menu, Health Watch.
0: Health Watch Wednesday.
1: The idea that moving forward through this pandemic, well, we only have one way out. And that is everybody worldwide getting that needle stuck in their arm and boom, we're done. See, modern medicine there to the rescue, but we're not always hearing the whole story. Now, if you were to pay attention to the news, and we talked about this just briefly yesterday, the World Health Organization says that if you just leave a disease to go on its own, well, it's it's pretty much... Unethical. Take a listen. Go. There
0: has been some discussion recently about the concept of reaching so-called herd immunity by letting the virus spread. Herd immunity is a concept used for vaccination in which a population can be protected from a certain virus if a threshold of vaccination is reached. For example, herd immunity against measles requires about 95 percent of population population to be vaccinated. The remaining 5% will be protected by the fact that measles will not spread among those who are vaccinated. For polio, the threshold is about 80%. In other words, herd immunity is achieved by protecting people from a virus, not by exposing them to it. Never in the history of public health has herd immunity been used as a strategy for responding to an outbreak let alone a pandemic it's scientifically and ethically problematic
1: scientifically ethically problematic i'm questioning though what happened over 100 years ago when that's how people got through epidemics. Uh, And if it's never been utilized before, well, then why aren't we all just still dying of the bubonic plague? I think there is more to the story. And that's why we're going to be talking about it today. I cannot tell you how excited I am to have this brilliant person on the air with me today. Her name is Jennifer Margulis. Now, Dr. Margulis is a a science journalist, an author. Uh, She's written a book that every parent should have. It is the most balanced approach to educating you and empowering you on vaccines, when to get them, when you might have to question them. It's called the Vaccine Friendly Plan. Jennifer Margulis is our guest today. Dr. Margulis, so glad
2: to have you with us. Thanks for having me, Michelle. I'm glad to be here
1: we're in this world where we're living on in fear every day there's new information coming out about the pandemic one of the latest was the virus can live on money for example for three weeks and people can be sick for three weeks and we are in such fear that we are really ripe for just saying okay just vaccinate us
2: and what's so wrong with that? Well, let's talk about the fear first, Michelle. Um, yes, let You know, the the more we're, we were told that we needed to be in, you know, in a sort of lockdown situation for two weeks, and that was seven months ago. And at some point, the media shifted from talking about the death rates to talking about the case rates, right? So, in yes. these seven months, in, in to sort of keep the fear moving forward, we've had to say, but look, there's more virus, there's more virus. And there's really good news in the midst of all of this, which is that every single one of your listeners can take a deep breath and stop being scared. And the reason why I say that is that we now have better, not perfect, but better CDC data looking at the COVID-19 survival rates by age group. And it's actually astonishing how positive this data is. In the age category of zero to 19, the survival rate is 99.997%. In every age category, except for people over 70 who are the most vulnerable, the survival rate for COVID 19 is over 99%. When you're 70 years old, it's astounding. And this is CDC data. Um, and it's the data that you are not hearing that you have to really dig for inside the documents. Um, in the over 70 age category, it's a little more concerning. The survival rate is 94.6 percent. So, 95 approximately people a percent of the people over 70 who get coronavirus are going to survive just fine. So that gives a little bit of context. (laughs) That's
1: great context, especially considering you mentioned in the beginning, we were looking at death rates, we've switched to case rates. In the beginning, we were talking about, well, we need to lock down, we need to do these measures, because we want to flatten the curve. And the curve is not even talked about anymore. Why is it that we're not hearing about that curve anymore? Jennifer?
2: Yeah, because actually, it looks like we have flattened the curve. And, you know, we we did this global response to, you know, this absolutely terrifying, what seems to be a very terrifying new coronavirus. But if you zoom the camera back, and you look a little bit more at the big picture, we get exposed to coronaviruses every single year. These are cold viruses. And always, every year, Michelle, those viruses disproportionately affect the Elderly and the vulnerable. You know, one of the things about being human is that our death rates are one hundred percent. At some
1: point. (laughs) Thank you for that bright point.
2: (laughs) That's good news for you, (laughs) Dave. Right. I like to say, you know, like you know, a human being is 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 the result of a sexual transmission, and we all have to die at some point, right? So. Um, And what's hard about that is if we I mean, if we took something else, if we took some other virus or some bacterial infection and we started every single day counting the case rates and counting the death rates and and reporting on the people who had died of it, especially, you know, people over 80, 85 or 90, we could foment a lot of terror about something else. And I'm not trying to downplay how serious this virus can be for some people, especially if you have other health problems, you can really have a bad case of this. But it's really important to keep in mind that with the CDC data, we actually know that in all age categories, the survival rate is over ninety-five percent.
1: Well, you talk about it, it being serious, and yes, that that's some of the fear as well. That we talk about the long lasting effects, sometimes neurological effects. And again, as you point out, if we were to do that with anything, if we were to be honest about heart disease and really get into it, you know, we could play it up in the media every day. And maybe people would uh, put down, you know, so many cheeseburgers. I don't know. But I do know this. (laughs) We're in we're in a place where we really need to be educated. And I was bothered by the statement from the World World health organization and saying that never this is scientifically uh, unsound it's unethical to think uh, to talk about uh, herd immunity should only apply to to vaccines but again as i said if it has never been utilized before we should still be dying from the spanish flu from the bubonic plague and a host of other epidemics that swept our planet in times past
2: Absolutely. That's an excellent point. And, you know, with all due respect to the World Health Organization, what that chief said was incorrect. Um, And I can say that with some degree of certainty, because it's really important to look at the Swedish context. You know, Sweden did things differently from every almost every other country in the world. And they the World Health Organization started by saying that they were that they were doing it wrong because, they didn't have a mandatory lockdown. No one in Sweden, very few people in Sweden are ma- are wearing masks, and they didn't close their elementary schools. They closed the colleges, but they didn't close the elementary schools. And what's so basically what the Swedish um, health authorities have been telling their 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 population is that we want people, we want to protect the vulnerable. We want to help them as much as we can, and we really want this virus to get through our population because at some point it's a coronavirus and you're going to get exposed to it. So if herd immunity does not work, as the World Health Organization said yesterday, then everyone in Sweden should be dying. And let's look at the Swedish model. What's really fascinating about Sweden, Michelle, is that they have better Health outcomes in Sweden than than the ten of the top nations. They're not even in the top ten for death rates. And if you look at countries that have much worse outcomes, you see Italy, the United Kingdom, the United States, Mexico, and Belgium are all doing much much worse. Staying in lockdown, you know, destroying our economy, devastating our children's mental health. They're doing much worse. We are doing much worse worse than they are doing in sweden and sweden this entire time has said you know we're working on the model of herd immunity and i I hate that word because humans are not sheep we're not cattle and i don't come on thank you thank you (laughs) i like to talk about community immunity so you know how do we help a community become healthy and that is not you know sorry to spoil things that is not by keeping people in fear or injecting them with vaccines and i it's not that vaccines can't be incredibly helpful they absolutely can and there is a time and a place for vaccines but you can't imagine the idea that we would absolutely rush you know it's operation warp speed you would rush a vaccine to market and then you would say this is the magic bullet that will save your life this is the thing that will give you the fountain of youth just take this vaccine everybody needs it and we're all going to be just fine I mean, what the World Health Organization forgot to mention is that two vaccine trials were just halted. They were suspended in the last two days because of, of really concerning outcomes that may or may not be linked to the vaccine.
1: So the cure can sometimes be worse than the disease. And when we talk about uh, this um, immunity being scientifically and uh, unethical, it's scientifically unsound and unethical, uh, you would think that it's kind of unethical and scientifically unsound to not expose ourselves to certain uh, viruses, uh, flus. When we have a healthy immune system, we need that. It's kind of like a muscle, is it not? And let me just repost here. We're talking with Jennifer Margulis. You can find her at jennifermargulis.net. And I'll have a link on all of our social sites for you as well. She was part of a book that every parent should have, the Vaccine Friendly Plan. It is amazing and very, very, very balanced. But is not is not our immune system kind of like a muscle? If we don't work it out a little bit, it's not quite as strong.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it's a great misconception to think that we should never be exposed to anything and that we should wrap ourselves in, you know, gloves and goggles and masks and basically plastic wrap and that we can somehow then avoid getting sick. And in fact, we're seeing that now in the schools where we're seeing a concerning rise in cases of strep throat, and everybody is concerned, like, you know, why is this bacterial infection coming because everyone's wearing a mask? Well, we live with microorganisms, with viruses and bacteria and fungi, and they live on us and in us, and they actually play an incredibly beneficial role in our immune system. So not only does our immune system need something foreign to fight against all the time, it's why babies are always putting nasty, nasty things in their mouths. And as a young mom you think oh my god what is my child doing they're eating the grass they're eating dirt this is terrible well actually what that baby is doing is training its immune system to recognize self and other that's a very (laughs) important aspect
1: i am so embarrassed by you saying that because uh, as a first-time mom i sterilized everything Bathe my baby three times a day because I'm a new oh, mom, man. I'm going to take care. I know, I know. I did it. I really did. And, uh, you know, I, I had friends come over and she had a, a baby about the same age and he's sitting there chewing on his father's shoe and I'm aghast. And then suddenly the light comes on for me. My My baby had runny noses and earaches and, and was just not, you know, always seemed to be a little bit sick. That, Kid was never sick. And boom, the light came on for me. I said, and that was part of my journey for understanding that we can first look to nature, to the way our bodies were made, to see that we're made in a way to heal ourselves. They're amazing machines. That was part of my journey right there. The light came on. And I think that part of that is that education that we're getting today. Your book, The Vaccine-Friendly Plan, gives a real good balance of when we when vaccines are fabulous, when we might need to take a step back and say, Oh, this might not be a one size fits all cure for everyone. Can we talk about that briefly in our last couple minutes together?
2: Oh, absolutely. I'd love to talk about that. And, you know, earlier in the show, you mentioned cheeseburgers that maybe will convince people not to eat so many. And I was delighted that you said that, because if you think about all of the components of a healthy immune system, our bodies, like you said, are amazing, but we need to give them the right fuel and we need to support them in the right ways. And, you know, you can't expect a gas to run, a car to run on the wrong kind of gas. And, you know, when people really want to, make sure that they're healthy, especially coming into the winter months when it's easier to get sick. You know, one of the things they absolutely have to do is you have to eat real, whole, healthy food that's grown without herbicides and pesticides. And you have to make sure that you get enough access to sunlight, which is very hard for you in Washington and hard for us in Oregon, because, you know, we don't have as much sun. You've got to get outside. You've got to get the sun on your skin. And it's a reasonable choice to consider Supplementing with vitamin D if your vitamin D levels are low. Vitamin D plays a huge and important role in the immune system. Also, reducing stress. These are some of the things that we need to do in order to keep ourselves healthy. And, you know, what we do in the vaccine friendly plan is we talk about every aspect of childhood and how to be healthy. We go age by age. So we start with pregnancy and we start with all the things that pregnant women need to know. We talk about the importance of vaginal birth because the baby coming out of the vagina actually gets coated with the beneficial bacteria from the mother's immune system. We talk about the importance of breastfeeding and boy, Michelle, do I wish that the public health officials both worldwide and in the United States would just talk more about breastfeeding. What's mm-hmm. unethical and unscientific is to not help every woman in America meet her breastfeeding goals and to not give women time and space with their baby so that they can have a good breastfeeding relationship, that breast milk is so full of healthy immunity, it's like a magic elixir.
1: It's so amazing, uh, and I had recently found out, uh, relearned, that when a baby is breastfeeding, if a baby has, let's say, a cold or a virus or some kind of deficiency, the saliva that is exchanged through through breastfeeding trigger something in a woman's body to give the baby exactly what it needs to fight off the virus or the infection or the sickness. That is miraculous.
2: It absolutely is. And, you know, it's so important for moms and babies to be together and to be supported. And unfortunately, one of the the many inane responses to this uh, coronavirus has been to separate moms and babies at birth and to also supporting support staff. I mean, supporters like like dads or partners from being in the birthing room at hospitals. So the the unexpected and perhaps positive consequence to this is that women are not are more women than ever are choosing to have midwives attend their births and are choosing to have out of hospital births because they don't want to be separated from their babies.
1: No, and and it's a wonderful thing. I've been at my best friend, who, who is a naturopath and a midwife. I've been at her births a couple of times, both times, oh. both children, and it is such a spectacular, beautiful experience, like nothing you experience in the hospital, and it can be for you. It can, it may be able, you may be able to make that a reality for you in your pregnancy. Um, As we wrap up our time with Jennifer Margulis, uh, one of the important things moving forward, as you mentioned, our immune system, I understand that we put on masks and we feel a lot better, but it is such an important thing to remember that our body has its own mask and it is our immune system. And while the World Health Organization and Bill Gates are all talking about a vaccine, we should be talking about something that will help everyone, how to get past some of the bad decisions that you had mentioned earlier, and how to get that natural mask on uh, that doesn't annoy us as we're walking through the supermarket. And that's our immune system. I'll give you the final word.
2: Absolutely. No, that's really well put. At the back of our book, The Vaccine-Friendly Plan, we have Dr. Paul's cheat sheet. And I co-wrote that book with a uh, pediatrician based in Portland named Paul Thomas. Um, And he has over 15,000 patients in his large pediatric practice with several other doctors and nurse practitioners. And we have a cheat sheet in the back of the book. And I I would suggest that all of your listeners, no matter what age of their children or if they don't have any children, take a look at that because it's it's about a four it's four pages of really everything you need to know and it's very inspiring the thing is like we can get stuck in the bloom and doom or we can be positive and optimistic and realize that our bodies are these incredible you called it a machine earlier there these you know we're these incredible beings with so much potential and so much light and we actually don't need to be afraid of the coronavirus and we can trust our bodies when we treat them right to help us stay alive as long as we possibly can, right?
1: I am so delighted that you made time for us today. And just, you don't know this as you're listening today, but I I kind of gave Jennifer short notice and she was so generous with her time. And I think it is so important. We do need to be educated. These are things we're not really hearing in the news because, you know, if it bleeds, it leads. But I got to tell you, if it can educate us, it can help save us in more ways than any vaccine possibly could, you can go to Jennifer Margulis jennifermargalis.net for more information, for uh, connecting with her writings, her books, her articles. And we'll also have a link on mymichellelive.com to Jennifer's page and the Vaccine Friendly Plan, a book I think everyone should have. Every parent should have. Every grandparent should have. And every grandparent should buy it for their kids (laughs) because this will give you a balanced look at how to take care of your kids through every step of life. Jennifer, thank you for your time today. Thanks so much for having me, Michelle. Thank you for listening. You can find us at all the social outlets, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and more. My Michelle Live. Catch you next time.